Hello, and welcome to Reditations. My name is Celeste Johnson, and in every episode of this podcast, I discuss something I've read, and then I turn it into a guided meditation. Today, I'm talking about the book My Life in France by Julia Child. This book took me a long time to read. It's 333 pages, so it's not a little book, and it took me a while to get through it, but I'm so glad I did. It was a delightful, delicious account of her life, and she never ceases to amaze me. So I hope that you fall in love with her the way I did. Today I want to talk about the theme of not sweating the small stuff, because that's really what stood out to me in Julia's book. And I feel like I can call her Julia because after reading this book, she just feels like an old friend. I struggle notoriously with sweating the small stuff. I say that not to get down on myself, but just because I know it's my tendency when I get stressed out. For example, I was making cookies with my partner uh, pretty early in our relationship And I got really stressed out while we were making these cookies. Not because, you know, something was burning to the ground or something terrible happened, but because the cookies were all different sizes. And I got really concerned that the cookies were going to get done at different rates and then we would have made cookies all for naught. And I recount this story just because... Julia's book made me reflect a lot on what it would look like to live a life where you didn't sweat the small stuff. She's kind of unflappable, and no matter what happened to her in this retelling of her life, she kept plugging along with such a joyful and curious attitude. It left me really inspired. I'll give you a quick summary of what happens in this book. So you get a a little idea of her life if you're not familiar yet. Julia Child was from California and she moved overseas with her husband, Paul Child, who worked uh, in essentially a diplomatic role, as I understand it. So she went with Paul to France for the first time in the late 1940s. When they arrived in France, she learned how to speak French, she integrated into the culture, and she just started exploring. She found that she really loved French food, and so she started taking classes at the Cordon Bleu, where she learned to become an excellent chef. She learned traditional, classic French cuisine, and she worked really, really hard and was deeply passionate about it. She took that knowledge and brought it to a bunch of other ventures that became really successful. She wrote a couple cookbooks in collaboration with a friend she had encountered in the cooking scene in France. She began her own television show when she got back to the United States many years later. She wrote another book after her two magnum opus cookbooks were published, and she was a very active person. She just did so much simply by following her passion and working really hard at it. It was incredible to read her account of what it was like to do all of these things because she is so salt of the earth. Her style of speech and of writing, it's almost silly. It's so convivial 
she puts sound effects in her writing. And if you've ever listened to her talk, you know that she also does that when she speaks. And as I was reading her prose, I could hear her voice in my head a lot of times. She writes with an air of joy and of groundedness, which I really enjoyed as I made my way through the book. I think there's one major component, one character trait at the root of her great capacity for joy and for groundedness. And I think it's that she was unfazed by the messiness of life. She loved it, in fact, and she embraced the mess wholeheartedly. She was unflappable and she didn't sweat the small stuff. Even when things didn't go as she planned, she rolled with it with grace and enthusiasm and it got her into amazing places. I think the best way to convey her attitude in this respect is to read you a few of the quotes that I picked out from her book. The first one I want to share with you is when she's explaining how she had a friend over for lunch and the food that she made that time, even though she was a fantastic chef, uh, the food didn't quite turn out the way she wanted it to. She says, I made sure not to apologize for it. This was a rule of mine. I don't believe in twisting yourself into knots of excuses and explanations over the food you make. Besides, such admissions only draw attention to one's shortcomings or self-perceived shortcomings and make the other person think, yes, you're right, this really is an awful meal. Maybe the cat has fallen into the stew, or the lettuce has frozen, or the cake has collapsed. Eh bien, tant pis. Oh well, too bad. Usually one's cooking is better than one thinks it is. And if the food is truly vile, as my ersatz eggs florentine surely were, then the cook must simply grit her teeth and bear it with a smile and learn from her mistakes. This quote really sums up everything I love about her attitude towards cooking and learning and life. She's unapologetic and she recognizes and accepts that mistakes are part of the process and that they happen and that they're not something we need to apologize for. Whenever something doesn't go her way, she's always ready to just say, eh bien, tant pis, oh well, too bad, and move on with her life because she knows that something good is waiting around the next corner. She never twists herself into knots of excuses and explanations and apologies, and I love her for it. She's strong and unapologetic and sure of herself, even when she's not sure of herself. And that makes her immune to a lot of pitfalls that she might have encountered were she less able to just let things go and move on with her life. Later, talking of cooking again, she says, Of course I made many boo-boos. At first this broke my heart, but then I came to understand that learning how to fix one's mistakes or live with them was an important part of becoming a cook. Julia makes every mistake seem fixable, and when it's not fixable, she shows that you can live with it. She says learning to fix your mistakes or live with them is an important part of becoming a cook, but I think it's also an important part of the way she lives her life. And I love the example she sets in that respect. Julia, I have a feeling, would not get stressed out if somebody were making cookies of different sizes, like I did in that story I told you at the beginning of this episode, and she shows me that I don't have to be stressed out about that sort of thing either. Her attitude shows me what it's like when somebody 
allows themselves to just let go and roll with whatever life hands them. And she inspires me to do that to the best of my ability. Later, she's discussing what it was like when she and her two friends started their own little cooking school, which I think is an incredible endeavor that they undertook not long after Julia graduated with her certificate from Cordon Bleu. She says, Is anyone ever completely ready for a new undertaking, especially in a profession like cooking, where there are at least a hundred ways to cook a potato? Tant pis, we decided. We have three students and three teachers. Allons-y. Basically, too bad. We're doing it anyway. Even when it might be messy, she's willing to take risks to try things and explore the things that she's interested in. She's not afraid of making mistakes. And if something goes wrong, she treats it not as a failure, but as information, which is how she approached each endeavor that she talks about in this book. And I think it's why she was so successful is because she allowed herself to make mistakes without fearing them. I think that attitude was responsible for more than her professional success, though. I think it was also at the root of her immense joy that just bubbles out of her with every word. And if you've ever watched her on television, you can see that she's joyful with every action she takes. Writing to her friend and co-author, who was at the time suffering from high blood pressure, Julia wrote, You have to let a few things slip by you, rather than being pitched at the highest key. Force yourself to relax at times. It is not necessary to do everything as though your life and honor depended on it. I think this quote speaks to the fact that although her ability to let things go allowed her a lot of professional success and allowed her to fail forward, this attitude also allowed her to let a lot of things go that might otherwise have overwhelmed her. Between learning new languages, moving all the time, writing books, eventually being on television, and putting together all the other projects that she did during her lifetime, she could have been so overwhelmed by her work. But her attitude of letting go also translated to her personal life, and that's what allowed her to find a balance between the two, I think. Because of that, this attitude of letting go and not sweating the small stuff also allowed her to experience great enjoyment and a sense of adventure during her life. An attitude that she attempts to share with readers in her book, I think. And it's something that definitely came across to me as I was reading. Julia's attitude is at once stoic and ecstatic. In many ways, she practices an attitude of non-attachment. She pays a lot of attention and care to what matters to her, but she also knows that life happens, mistakes happen, and she's always willing to let it go when it doesn't go her way. So in today's meditation, I want to practice that a little bit with you. I want to practice, as Julia would say, letting a few things slip by us. With that, let's meditate. Let's begin today's meditation, as always, by finding a comfortable place for your body and taking a deep breath. And exhale. Close your eyes if it feels comfortable to you. And with your next breath, take a moment to tune into your body and sense what sensations reside there today in this moment. 
exhale, and with every breath, release a little more tension. Continue breathing and relaxing, letting your body become ever more relaxed and comfortable as you continue to breathe in and out. On your next breath in, I invite you to bring your attention softly and gently to your hands. Notice where they are resting. Notice if they are open or closed, if your palms are facing up or down. Notice if you're holding any tension there. And when you do notice tension, allow yourself to release it with your next breath. Your hands are the most literal place where you can let go of something or hang on to it. And today, we are going to focus on letting go. Letting some things slip through your hands, as Julia might say. Continue breathing in and out. Be gentle with yourself. And with each breath, allow yourself to relax a little bit more. As you continue to bring your attention to your hands, imagine immersing your hands in a bowl full of flour. Soft, cool flour, the dust coating your palms and the backs of your hands. And for a moment, immerse yourself in the visualization of that sensation. Allow yourself to truly feel the flower surrounding your hands, covering them. Feel the texture of the flower. And allow yourself to really imagine your hands in this bowl. Perhaps you move your fingers around, squeeze them against your palms and feel your hands fill with flour and then feel the flour go away from your hands again as you open your fingers. Tune in especially to that sensation of letting go and what it feels like when after you've gathered flour into your hands, you open your fingers and let it slip past them. Feel the movement of the flower between your fingers and feel how the weight of your hand changes as the flower leaves it. Recall again Julia's words that you have to let some things slip by you. And every time you imagine your hand gathering the flower together, remind yourself that it is okay to let go of it, let it slip past your fingers once more. Now, allow yourself to empty the contents of your mind right now in a new imaginary bowl. Whatever thoughts are rattling around inside your head, allow them to sift into the bowl as if they were flour. Take a moment to 
collect what's ever in your head and move it into this bowl. Allow yourself to set your thoughts aside in this bowl for just these few moments that we have together. Take another deep breath. And with each breath, search the inside of your head for any thoughts that may be still lingering there. And allow them to leave for now. Empty them gently into this bowl. You are safe to let them go. You are safe to let them leave for now. Empty them into your imaginary bowl. And when you're ready, I want you to tenderly take your hands, those same hands that just a moment ago were rooting through this flower and feeling its smoothness and coolness. We're grasping and letting go in turn. Take those hands and submerge them in this new bowl that you've created. This new bowl full of your thoughts and worries and stresses and burdens from the day. Allow your hands to begin by gently sensing whatever texture you feel in this bowl. It could be anything. Whatever comes to mind is exactly the right thing. Just take a moment and imagine your hands sifting through these thoughts. Keep breathing in and out gently. When you've taken a moment to sense what's in this bowl and kind of acquaint yourself with it, feel it on your hands, allow yourself to grasp these thoughts with your hands physically, not in your mind, but physically with your hands. Imagine grasping them and squeezing them in your palms just like you did the flower. You can be gentle if you like, or you can really squeeze if that's what feels right to you. And imagine the sensation in your hands as you do this. What does it feel like as you grasp these thoughts and hang on to them? What does it feel like to hold on to these stresses and burdens and worries. Allow yourself to sense that grasping for a moment and continue breathing. When you're ready, hearken back once more to Julia's words. You have to let some things slip by you. When it feels right, Allow your hands to open in your mind's eye. Allow the spaces to come back between your fingers as the thoughts and stresses, worries and burdens sift through them. Let them leave your hands slowly as you open your palms and release them back into the bowl. There's no need to inspect each one of them or look at what you've been holding. You can simply allow it to leave. Simply let go. Let it slip past you and know that you are safe doing so. 
If you'd like, take one more moment to grab a handful of whatever you've put into this bowl. Take it into your palms and again, practice releasing it. Still breathing intentionally. Feel these thoughts, the contents of your mind sifting through your hands in your mind's eye. And allow yourself to truly let go of whatever you've been holding while your hands have been in this bowl. You have to let some things slip past you. And it is up to you to allow them to do so. Slowly, as you continue breathing, tune back into your body and where you are in this moment. Notice any sensations you feel. And on your next breath, if it feels right, you can open your eyes and come back to the room you're in. Wherever you are, you always have the choice to let some things slip past you. To let the small stuff go. In Julia's words, you do not have to be pitched at the highest key. Force yourself to relax at times. It is not necessary to do everything as though your life and honor depended on it. As you go forth today, remember that it's okay to let things go. You may even be more joyful and grounded for it. As Julia says, the pleasures of the table and of life are infinite. Toujours bon appétit. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode of Reditations on Julia Child's book, My Life in France. I've really enjoyed spending this time with you, and I so appreciate that you spend your time with me listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, you can do a couple things to support the podcast that are really helpful. First, share it with a friend who you think would enjoy it. Secondly, you can subscribe so that every new episode of the podcast shows up automatically on your device each week. Third, you can leave a review. This is especially easy on Apple Podcasts. And this helps other listeners find the podcast. Lastly, you can support the podcast by visiting the Patreon page at reditationspodcast.com. It's also linked in the show notes. Special thanks to Josh Munn for the sound design and theme music that you heard in this episode. In the spirit of Julia, I wish you a week full of pleasure and enjoyment. Bon appétit.